0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris, Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan, and our good friend and returning guest Josh Hyde. Hey, a hey everybody. Josh, you're also our first returning guest who ever did like was one of the comma guys.
1: He did. Yeah, that was fun. He was. Yeah. He's the only guest that we've ever brought in that was comma guy for the episode. Man,
2: thank you. You were or first. Or, or it was the only. so bad we'd never well, take that we risk. Did, we again. never did it again.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you can <laughs> yeah, figure well, that out.
0: Before we get into the passage, I thought it might be interesting to ask Josh a question.
1: We always want to get to know our mm. guests better. That's right.
0: So here's here's a here's a really good one for you, Josh. Uh, what was your first impression of the three of us? When you first met.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) It's the meanest question. I I didn't like this question five seconds ago before we were on, and I like it less now that we're actually (laughs) recording, so we'll see if I make it through the end of this episode. Um, I mean, one of the crazy things that I was struggling with is, like, I've known you guys for a really long time. Uh, I've been around Christ Community Church for what seems like forever. And so we were just talking about this, Nikki, I met you when I was Christ interning. community. It will um, only
1: feel like an eternity.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ferris, actually I interned with you and you were my student pastor for a little while. And so I'd say like, I think for you, my first impression was you're just intense. Um, and um, And that was like, that was it. It was just like, man, that guy's really intense, and I don't know what to mm. make of Like, in everything, there's, like, laughter. In fact, you told us a story that I don't think I can share on the podcast of you playing <laughs> soccer at one point and, like, the abuse you put on people that you played soccer with. And that's I was, like, true. Man, that's for a different episode. That is. But that, yeah. is that's, that guy's intense. Um, Nikki, I, I think for you, I was, like, I think what my first impression was like, I don't know what she does. And then all of a sudden it was like, she does like everything. And all of a sudden, like you run creative art. So it was like, man, this was awesome. So like, I think, I mean, maybe that's like a first impression how it's developed. But first I was like, I don't know who Nikki is. And now Nikki, Nikki, is, is, literally sneaky. Does Nikki like is sneaky. Nikki is sneaky awesome. Yeah. She's like an awesome ninja. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. And Clayton, uh, I think you were just, uh, just a real smart guy. <laughs> just a real smart guy. Actually, actually, one of the first things that struck me about you, Clayton, was how like how really awesome you are at like the illustrations and examples that you use in scripture uh, in your, in your preaching. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this dude's really creative in his teaching. So that was, that was one of my first ones. Cause you were, I think your first sermon here was a baptism weekend teaching on hell. And I was, and it was like a trial (laughs) run. It wasn't even like you wouldn't have the job yet. And I was like, man, this guy's really good. So
3: you're a creative teacher. There you have it. I didn't pick the topic for, for those listening. (laughs) It wasn't my fault. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. Thanks, Josh. All right, Eric, you're a comma guy. Yeah,
3: we are
1: in Judges chapter 8 today, so let's set up some context. It's the C in the comma method. Uh, And for context today, a few thoughts here. One, the Bible Project videos are awesome. They are still awesome. They are always awesome. Mm. They're perpetually awesome. Have I said the word awesome enough, Josh? Yep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're really, really helpful. So, if you have not yet, if you're reading through Judges and you have not yet looked at the Bible Project video, which gives you an overview of the entire book, we would recommend doing that. And Nikki, where can they find the Bible Project videos?
0: BibleSavvy.com.
1: That is correct. That's awesome. She was so ready for that. All right, Judges chapter 8. So, what we are seeing in the book of Judges is this, this cycle going on of people rejecting Yahweh, doing whatever they want worshiping the false gods of the land, engaging in all of the cultural evil practices of the people that already live there. It goes bad for them. They get oppressed from outside groups of people. Things go really bad. They get really sad. They get kind of repentant. God raises up a what is called a judge, which is not a courtroom judge, but rather like a local military tribal type leader that God empowers by his spirit. This judge, this leader helps set them free from their their current pain or agony. Uh, And then what happens is once that judge goes away, the people go right back to what they were doing, but only worse. And so the cycle just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And so in Judges chapter eight, we're actually jumping in to the end of the cycle with one of these judges named Gideon. And so let me me just... uh, We've already read this. You may be reading along in the Bible Savvy Reading, so you might already know this, but for the sake of this conversation, we'll just remind ourselves, God did not choose Gideon. It doesn't say that he chose Gideon because Gideon was a great guy because of his character. He just chose him. And God tells Gideon, I'm going to use you to rescue my people right now from their current predicament. Gideon has a hard time believing all of it. So Gideon, as, as you see Gideon engaging in this conversation, he puts out the fleece, which is often talked about, um, which in some ways is divination. It's, it's asking the God to prove to you or to give you a sign that the thing is actually going to happen. And so uh, God, God is having this conversation with Gideon. Uh, then Gideon, in fact, does help, help uh, rescue the people, uh, this is the, the interesting story of Gideon had a lot of, had a lot of people in his, in his army, and God keeps whittling down to 300 people. The way they win the victory is really odd, yeah. uh, but nonetheless, a victory is gained. And then we pick up here uh, at the end of uh, Judges
3: chapter 8. All right. Judges 8, starting verse 22 through verse 35. The Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us. You, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment and each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, or the chains that were on their camel's necks. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace 40 years. Jerob Baal, son of Joash, went back home to live. He had 70 sons of his own, for he had many wives. His concubine, who lived in Shechem, also bore him a son, whom he named Abimelech. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father Joash in Ophrah of the Abizurites. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Barith as their god and did not remember the Lord their god. Who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. They also failed to show any loyalty to the family of Jerobal, that is, Gideon, in spite of all the good things he had done for them.
1: All right, we move on to observations. What do you see in this text?
3: See the repeated uh, word of rule over, rule over, rule over, and uh, there the people are asking for a ruler, and that strikes me in part because of uh, some of the things I've picked up in Judges thus far, where there's no king in Israel, and they kind of keep, you know, noting that there's no central ruler, yeah. uh, but the people are looking for someone to kind of be in charge of them, and so they're looking to the, you know, Gideon saying, hey, you were this great military leader, so why don't you be in charge? Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, Ferris, you alluded to this at the front end, that the victory they just won was pretty evidently not all Gideon's doing, right? And yet they still want to turn to him and say, we want you to rule us because you've saved us. And so he becomes like the object of their praise and their worship in that moment instead of probably looking to the one who actually was their rescuer and probably should also be their king, being Yahweh.
1: Yeah, I wonder how many of the of the 300 people that ended up in Gideon's Gideon's army really understood that it was the Lord's doing, That's fair, right? Because they, you know, I'm not going to retell the whole story. If, if you haven't read it in, in the Bible savvy reading plan, you can go back a few chapters and judges and read that if you're listening to this podcast, but it, it's, it's kind of like some clever trick is, is how they win this right. military battle, not with brute force. And so maybe these 300 people are looking at getting going, dude, you are really clever. Like that was a really clever trick that you pulled off on those people. So I don't know. It's it's sure. a, it's a good thought, but I I just I don't know. These these kinds of conversations are fun because it's when 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 you're speculating about <laughs> stuff that the Bible doesn't tell you, those are those are fun conversations.
0: Yeah, I have more speculation for us because this this passage has always kind of like I I've always thought that I I think I kind of understand what's happening here, but I read this again and today I was like, okay, I've got to ask this question. So you've got Gideon who's like you know, the people are like, oh, rule over us. And he's like, no, like, that's God's job. He's going to rule over you. He's like, but, you know, give me some earrings. I'm going to make this gold breastplate, right? And then all of a sudden he puts it in this town and the people start worshiping it. And obviously that's bad because they're supposed to be worshiping God instead they're worshiping this thing that Gideon made. And so he did this bad thing but didn't intentionally mean to do it but then also didn't stop the people from doing it. But then it said, during Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. So it was, there was still good things that was happening sure. there, even though people were worshiping this, this thing that he made. And then it said, no sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the balls. And I'm thinking, so... Like was, what what's going on here? <laughs> you know?
1: Is it the it's the it's the the assumption that good God lets good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. So if Gideon wasn't all good and the people obviously aren't good, why are they experiencing peace? Is that the
0: Yeah, it's like well there was some there was obviously unfaithfulness happening. Like they were worshiping something other than God, but but they were also they were still prospering. God still was was allowing them to prosper at the same time. You know and and I think the I think the interesting part for me was I, I understand that God will still use people regardless of whether or not they remain completely faithful to him like he still allows people to accomplish uh, good things in spite of who they are or in spite of what he knows they'll do later on down the road um, but to me it's just it's just super weird
1: yeah well for for one if if we go back and read where God starts interacting with Gideon, which is also a confusing conversation. If, Mm -hmm. if, By the way, if you were reading this and you're like, there's the (laughs) angel of the Lord and then there's the Lord and it keeps going back and forth. So somehow in that conversation, it seems to be that there's a person standing there or whether it's a theophany, like a physical representation of God. or So Gideon is looking at somebody, but there's also this other voice that seems to be engaged. It's a really, I I had to read it like three times. Like, is it the Lord? Is it an angel of the Lord? Like what is going on? But at no point... Does it say, God looked at Gideon and saw a man of character and therefore chose Gideon to use him as the next judge? Now, back in the days of Noah, God looks around and says, now there's, there's a righteous one, right? But that's not what's going on with the judges.
3: We don't know why God picked Gideon, but Gideon is a nobody. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that we expect, this kind of, some of it comes from just like the stories that we Tell, you know, like heroes got to be heroes, right? Like you got to, they, they like you expect them to be someone worth imitating or whatever. Um, and some of it has to do with like the Sunday school version of things. Although we, uh, before we recorded here, we actually went around the table and I, I realized I'm the only person who grew up going to Sunday school <laughs> around this table. Everybody uh, came into church life later than that. But still, you encounter in yeah. church life these um, kind of caricatures of, hey, here's a hero, you know, be like this person. And and you expect that when you're reading this and so in some ways it does disturb us to find out actually even even the good guys are bad guys yeah. that even even the the people that are used by god um, are pretty awful in in a lot of ways yeah. you know
2: yeah, I think one of the things that adds to that confusion is, like, and, and Nikki, you pointed this out, kind of the timing of it, it's like God sustains them and prospers them, and then Gideon dies, and it's all downhill from there. And so there's a sense of like, even in the lifetime of Gideon, God's graciousness upon Israel was evidenced, and then all of a sudden he dies, and now, uh-oh. And so it can look as if you're reading this and going, well, it's all Gideon, right? He's doing good stuff, he's doing good stuff. And then you are come to, after recognizing context, like, no, like you said... He's not really a hero at all. It's God's goodness, it's his graciousness, which I wrote and I wrote next to this passage like the story of scripture of God's just faithfulness in the face of unfaithfulness. Like he just continues to show himself, to show his nature, to show his character despite the nature and the character of his people that's always and ever for themselves and not him.
3: The, the story reminded me of a couple of stories that we we've seen so far in the, you know, the reading of the Old Testament we've done. So this is this is last year's reading some of these. Um, but One one story was the story of the golden calf. So, like Moses is literally on the mountain hearing from God, and you know Aaron's down at the base of the mountain, and the people are like, "We lost, we lost Moses. What are we gonna do?" And Aaron like makes them a statue, kinda to represent God, you know, maybe something like that. Uh, And all of a sudden, they're worshiping this idol. Um, And yet, God says, "It, I ought to abandon you," and yet He sticks with them. Or there's another story that's, that feels very similar to this one, where um, the people get in trouble. They're, they are, um, God uh, sends snakes into the camp, and uh, they're bit by snakes, and God says, Moses, if you hold up a like a bronze serpent, like the statue of a serpent, uh, and the people look at it, they'll be healed. So it's a bizarre story. We, we've talked about it a few times here. And, and yet then, after this moment where the people get healed from these snake bites, they take that bronze snake... Mm-hmm. And they they hold on to it, and they end up worshiping it as an idol. Yeah. and so there are these these moments where um, like the people the people are experiencing yeah. the grace and goodness of God, like God is being so kind to them, He is with them they have seen it with their own eyes. and yet it's just it's just a few steps away yeah. from and now this thing becomes a snare for us. it becomes yeah. something that we look at,
2: yeah. And I think that's that's a really great observation to this story and others. And I think even as I was reading this and 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 thinking about that, even for Gideon, it feels that way. There's this sense of and again, we don't know exactly what was going through his mind here, but it it it's like this resistance to glory and worship because he's wanting maybe to put it on God. And again, we don't know for sure where he was at. But then there's just, like, okay, but, but maybe just a slight bit of praise my way would be okay. And so like, we'll make this thing, but it's like, I'm not king. I just get this cool golden piece in the middle of the town. And like, you know, so it's like when you walk, it's I, I had this image of, of like walking on stage, people clapping and you're kind of like, oh no, no, stop, stop. And then you're like, you're waving on the applause some more. And it's like, no, I don't want it, but I kind of do. And so that wrestling back and forth for him. Do you often struggle with that when you walk out <laughs> on the stage? I mean, I get to do student ministry, so kids just clap at nothing, and you're kind of like, I don't even know. <laughs> they what cheer that was for you, for you right? when you walk yeah. when you walk
1: out on the stage in front of teenagers. They're I'm cheering. Sure,
2: I'm pretty sure it's not me. throwing they just flowers on the stage. They tossing coins at you. You know what they have thrown at me is gold uh, glow sticks and frozen waffles. So if that means anything, that's what I get thrown at me when I'm on stage. <laughs>
1: That means you're running a good student ministry. <laughs> right. If there's That's glow right. sticks and waffles involved, it, hey, there you go. Our, stu- our student ministries is rocking. Uh, so, oh my gosh, you just totally got my brain off course with the glow sticks and the frozen waffles. <laughs> what in the world was I going to point out? Oh, I was going to ask the question. It's a rhetorical question. Did God defeat the Midianites and bring peace to the Israelites because of Gideon? or because of God, all right? That's, that's part of what you're seeing in Judges is he's raising up these leaders to, to win victories, empowering them by his spirit, but he's accomplishing his purposes and, and teaching the lessons that he needs to teach all, all throughout the way. Obviously, right? Because b- before even the text that we just read today, we're, we're getting a sense of Gideon's character. He's, he's killing some people and it's not mm. like a, it's not a like justified right. righteous killing. It's a, I'm mad, vengeful, type of slaughter killing that Gideon engages in. So Gideon is not a good dude. Yeah. All right. What else do you see?
3: I, I see the behavior of Gideon. So if, if you're looking at the second half of this uh, section that we read, you might've been a little confused where all of a sudden there's somebody named Jerubbaal Baal or whatever, and 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 it's describing this guy and then it switches to Gideon. And then at the very end, it explains that those are the same person. So, um, but you've got the behavior of Gideon here in the second half that even though he has said, I don't want to be your king, he then, uh, he's got a bunch of wives, uh, 70 sons, a concubine. Uh, he actually names his son Abimelech. Now, there's a little Hebrew cheating, um, but Abimelech in Hebrew means, my father is king. That's that's literally what it means. No. So, um, so, you only name someone that if you think they're a prince. <laughs> um, so, like... There's some behavior here that is not consistent yeah. with his rhetoric of saying, the yeah. Lord is your king. He's, he's behaving like he's the king. So in some ways, it's not just the people's fault that they're sort of asking for this as well. Yeah. So, so I look at that, and um, and part of it is like he, he gets – he's like been called into something really important, and then that really good important thing that God asked him to do gets bigger than it was meant to. Like sure. it becomes more in his life – than it was it was supposed to be
2: yeah no I think that's I think it's great I think and I think what kind of some of the things I was writing in in reading through this is really just like even even as as pastors or as people who are used by God in ministry like what awareness do we have to those things in our own life that like hey God invited me into this man that was cool, but like hey that's that that can't be my identity that can't be for my glory how do we like point that back to the Lord, and then even as people who participate in the church, what's the view we're taking of the spiritual leaders that God has placed in our life? Uh, as as that was just an observation, kind of taking that and applying it to, which was kind of getting ahead, I guess, in the common. Yeah, menu, you, but, you did. You um, jumped all
1: the way to application. Yeah, know, so oh. hey, my my application. You're not comma guy today, Josh. Man, just <laughs> <laughs> pull the reins, Stay rain, in brother. your lane, dude. <laughs> so my so if you jump all the way to application, my application is when I read this text, I had to go into my family at my house because I had, in fact put together a golden ephod <laughs> and my children worship at it every night. And so I had to destroy the golden ephod in my house. That's wow. Good. I mean, That's just good. being very vulnerable and transparent That's... right now. Well, <laughs> <Boy>,
2: thanks for <laughs> reading that. <laughs>
1: Got really I'm, both, weird. Yeah,
3: I'm, like, <laughs> I'm both envisioning a golden ephod or whatever else it might be that was that. Which, by the way, it, it, like ephod, we've just been talking like we know what that is. Well,
0: I said breastplate. Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay. It's so a breastplate. Yeah. It's yeah. like it, the, the priest would wear yeah. one. Yeah. That's part of the mm-hmm. reason. So there's like good, like faithful symbolism to this of mm-hmm. like maybe that's something for God, but yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And there weren't really functioning priests at this point either in any uh, healthy way. Sure. Yeah. And so there's an awful lot that is baked into this text where it's, it's trying to point us towards the fact that Gideon was assuming uh, some form of kingship and priestly role over the people, even though he did say, no, no, the Lord's going to rule over you. If, if we go into the speculation category, because, because right now, remember, there is no king, right? So this is a confederation of tribes. Uh, it, it can be speculated that Gideon did want to be king. But he, he was worried that not all the tribes would support his leadership, and so he'd be setting himself up for, like, assassination or trouble or more battles, and so he kind of does what Josh was talking about when he's walking on the stage, right? Like, no, 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 I'm not going to be your king, but I, I do kind of want to be sure. your king, and so I'm going I'm to kind of do it without saying it. We don't know exactly what's going on, but most of it is not, not good. Not great. All right, let's move on to the first M in the comma method, which is message. Actually, I'm going to pull a switcheroo. Whoa, oh. <laughs> that was such a sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> let's do a meditation first because sometimes you read a text and you're like, I don't, I don't know what to get out of this today. Lord, would you speak to me by your Spirit? Help me see what you want me to see. So let's do that today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for our meditation. Uh, We're going to keep it very general. Based on this text, ask the Spirit of God to speak to you. Lord, what would you want me to see in this text today? 45 seconds. Think about that. Now we're going to move on to the second M in the comma method, which today is message. So what message can we draw from this text?
2: Yeah, so I think yeah, we've, we've alluded to some of them already, uh, but uh, as, as participants in the church, uh, who are we giving glory to for the things that are happening? Uh, I think is, is one question we can ask ourselves uh, and and maybe for those around this table and anybody else who's listening to this, that's uh, a pastor or a leader in ministry is asking like, who am I giving the glory to when good things are happening in the church, in the body of Christ as uh, is, is, would be one message uh, I think worth taking away and considering um and and maybe one more if I could just throw that in there before wow he's going with two around. messages wow. is that okay man,
1: he's jumping ahead in the comma method oh, he's sharing man, two messages I,
0: this, this I have a- did so many times
2: today <laughs> <laughs> the twists, sh- the turns shaking things up I've had a lot of coffee today so we're just kind of all over the place um, <laughs> he's
1: holding a coffee in his hand right now right now is that an iced coffee
2: uh, it was the ice has melted
0: I think he's trying to throw you off track now. So yeah. why don't yeah. you just see we'll your just second message? All right, Clayton, uh-huh. what's your message?
2: No, Josh,
1: please share with us your
2: second no, message. Yeah, I, just, I just think it's, I, I wrote in the margin here of the text, uh, you know, when Gideon refuses kingship, but then builds this ephod, I just wrote like, uh, and I realize there's a problem to this statement, but little sins are still a problem. Uh, it probably would have been wrong for Gideon to step in and just assume kingship. And so he kind of took like a lesser response. And yet that still became a huge problem. And so mm. like, where in life do we say, well, this isn't, this, this isn't the worst thing I could have done, and yet it, it's still an issue here, and it's still a problem. And so just paying attention to even the little sins in our life that we'd excuse away because they're not the worst ones.
1: Man, that was good. That, that was, was good. worth saying in a yeah. microphone. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You know, we're, I'm glad we let you do that second I one and didn't it. give you a hard time about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the message that I got. Um, when uh, good things become supreme things, they become sinful things. So I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about. I told you he's good at this preaching thing. I, you know what? The, the, this is one of those ones. I've I've heard other people say this before. So it's not it's not on me. <laughs> oh, but it's 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 okay. Uh, the the where Gideon has like God has just done, done something great through Gideon and Gideon. You know, like was a part of that. So that's a good thing. And then that like influence, power, celebrity, whatever, g- gets beyond the good thing that God did, it becomes a, a supreme thing that the people are like, we need this. Yeah. And Gideon's kind of like, I need this too. And that's when it becomes a sinful thing. So uh, it's it's not that them coming to Gideon and saying, hey, thank you <laughs> for leading us or thank you for this, you know, like, or thank you f- for your part in this. Yeah. would have been bad. But when it be- gets elevated beyond that, uh, then that good thing becomes a sinful thing.
1: Say that catchy line again that you said at the beginning because it was so catchy that I already forgot it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when good things become supreme things... They become sinful things. Mm.
1: Should that become a T-shirt, Nikki? Maybe. Oh, maybe. I, I thought of another. I thought of another T-shirt, by the way. You did. But it goes all the way back to like the whole piddle conversation. You really want what, to bring if, this back? What, 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 what <laughs> if we did a What if we did a T-shirt that said, "Stop piddling, start listening." Bible Savvy Podcast.
0: Ooh. I don't know. Josh is like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if that's He's a like, good who's mm, gonna, or a who's bad. Gonna put
2: that on themselves. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to answer that
1: question. <laughs> you just did. Indirectly, you <laughs> Indirectly just answered the answered question. It. Thank you, Josh. You're welcome. All right, You're Nikki, welcome. what's your message? Uh, my
0: message was uh, don't put your stock in a person over God. Um, mm. And I think it, it, I don't know, the other thing that was just popping up into my mind as we were talking is like, people mess up, but God doesn't. Um, y- y- and And I think that's important to, just in any area of life, you know? Like sometimes when we put, when we start to kind of admire one, like a, an, an actual human being over the God that is behind them, um, I think that we can get let down really easily when mm-hmm. we realize that, that, Hey, you know, people, people mess up sometimes.
1: That's really good. Especially important in our country with a lot of churches that have celebrity pastors, or if your pastor has a moral failure, Hmm. and there's a lot of disappointment and pain that comes with that. And you have to do a lot of work in your mind and your heart to say, there is God and there is people. And it doesn't discount the disappointment or the sadness or the pain that comes when someone you respect does something really dumb. Um, But that's a great word, Nikki, to, to differentiate between Jesus, the one we follow, mm-hmm. and then there's the rest of us, yeah, right? For sure.: All right, well, since there's four of us in the room today, I am not going to share my message. I'm just going to become a guy and just kind of move us on to applications. So let's hear some applications from your guys' messages.
2: Yeah, I mean I think I think we've we've kind of alluded to that in in some ways but it's it's who's like who's getting my worship is is like so for me it's when I when I watch God at work in other people's lives I want to affirm God at work in their life not just not just who they are apart from God, if that makes sense. And so uh, we've been, been talking about this even in our community group, about what does it look like to call out the nature and the character of God and the work he's doing in the lives of people around us so that he receives the glory. Um, and, and in the same way, when 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 I'm receiving any sort of affirmation or or, or whatever recognition is to say, hey, let's position that appropriately. And, hey, thank you for that, but man, glory to God in that. And, and not in a trite sort of way, but in a, in a legitimately worshipful way that recognizes the giver of all good things is not me. It's the God who's gracious to work in and through me.
3: Yeah. So, uh, in the idea of not letting good things become supreme things, um, uh, you know, we the, this because this passage has so much to do with Gideon's calling. Um, we can, we kind of been talking in those areas, so I, I think that's where I'm going to apply it. Like uh, asking the question: Where are the are the roles that I've been called to becoming so central to my identity that that actually uh, can lead to you know unhealthy behavior or toxic behavior or or things that. Make me have to defend things, you know what I mean? Because it's this is too important, that kind of thing. And we we we're all pastors around here, so we're talking about it kind of in terms of church leadership. We keep bringing that up, but I think that this can be true even in other roles. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, You can you can be a parent and have that become so central to you that the you know how your kids are doing makes or breaks you, and it leads you to do things that are not okay. You know what I mean? That you, It's it's unhealthy behavior. Uh, it, the, any work responsibility, you can feel like sure. this is so tied to my identity. It's so supreme in my life uh, that it then kind of warps your behavior and that sort of thing. So um, asking that question, where are the things I've been called to? Um, am I holding them as, as good things or are they supreme things? And where's that kind of showing up in funky ways?
0: Yeah. So I, I think, Josh, yours and mine are kind of similar in the sense like it, this goes back to just like maybe I don't know hour and a half ago right like I'm in a room with my entire team and we're we're doing a songwriting session and we're sharing these these songs that they've just written and I'm I'm listening to these songs and I'm I'm hearing the stories behind them, what they came out of and I'm sitting there, I'm looking at my team and and of course like I'm like oh like good job guys like I'm so proud of you guys like these sound amazing right and I walked away I thought I thought to myself no, thank, thank you, God, that you gave them those songs. You know, thank you, God, that out of their own personal worship, you led them to write those things. And so I think like there's this there's this thing that like we don't it's not that we're consciously doing it, but we can just apply a oh, good job to to the person that's right in front of us. And I can sometimes forget the person behind that person, yeah. who's actually speaking through them and leading through them. I think of this often when Pastor Clayton and Pastor Jim are on stage and they're teaching, and we recognize like, or even any of you—you you guys teach too on stage, That's right. Like it's, it's like, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for the words that you gave them, what you revealed to them in that passage that you're going to teach your people. It's all Him, yeah. You know, and and they get to be the vessels of that, but it's. All, his, all of his work, all of his bringing it forth out of them.
2: That's good.
1: That's true. It is God's job. Mm -hmm. but it's your job to conclude this podcast episode. So (laughs) bring us home, Nikki.
0: Well, all right. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading plan. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out biblesavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcasts at biblesavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.